Good morning, Bethany. And yes, I am thankful for um, air conditioning. I'm a walking hot flash. Um, <laughs> uh, will you turn with me to Genesis 49? We will be reading verses 1 through 28, 27. David. Thank you. Okay. I wanted us on the same page. Okay. <laughs> yes, we'll begin with, chapter, uh, with verse 1. Okay, so then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O oh, my glory be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness, willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, and as a lioness. Who dare rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Bringing his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed. What was going to happen? He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships, and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, crouching between the sheepfolds. He saw that a resting place was good, and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear, and became at forced labor a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path, that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bough remained unmoved. His arms were made, were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your Father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you, 
with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breasts of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents. Up to the bounties of the everlasting hills, may they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf, in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we have a, uh, <coughs> Jeff is on vacation, which is good for him. And probably good for us in the long run, too. So we're glad that he's on vacation, getting some rest. And uh, we get the opportunity to hear Mark Smith from the Canby Center uh, bring the word for us today. So go ahead and come on up, Mark. Thank you for, uh, thanks for coming. You bet, you bet. All right, good morning, Bethany Church. Yeah, it's, oh, that's a healthy, warm welcome. Thanks. Good to, good to be with you this morning. Uh, as... Uh, pastor just shared, I am Mark Smith, and I am sent over from the Canby Center, and the Canby Center is a place that you should know very well. Many, I see many people who are deeply involved in the Canby Center, people who give generously and who serve. I see faces here that are serving with the Canby Center, and you've been a part of it since the beginning. I just want to Give a quick little update on the Canby Center really quick here. Uh, we first and foremost, we want to say thank you to you. We want to say thank you for uh, your ongoing support. I don't know, some of you, there's newer faces, younger faces that may not know that Bethany Church is one of the original churches to the Canby Center. It started off with five churches coming together and saying, hey, let's come together and do a work to serve the least, the last, and the lost of our community here in Canby. And Bethany Church uh, helped to pioneer that ministry. And uh, a decade plus later, 12 years later, it is now uh, in connection to over 20 churches and hundreds of individuals that are a part of what's happening in the work of the Canby Center. Uh, here's some, just some quick little stats just for you to understand uh, what you are a part of. I like to know, like any good investment, uh, it's good to see what you're investing into. A good investment, uh, more than 500, think about that, 500,000 pounds of food have been handed out since last June. 500,000 pounds of food uh, with a value of near $975,000. And there's people like you that come and they give uh, generous donations. There are uh, Bob's Red Mill. There is Dave's Killer Bread. There's uh, Cuts Forth Groceries. There's uh, Fred Myers. There's local farmers that give to helping others who have, have less than us so that people get fed day in and day out. And you are a part of that, Bethany. And you should be very excited about that. 11,351 volunteer hours in the last year. So in the last year, 
the programs that we have that are at the Canby Center. 11,351 hours have been served at the Canby Center. And I just want to say thank you to you. Uh, many people in this room are there volunteering, and there's always room for more. We have a lot of exciting stuff happening around the Canby Center. I'm going to go back to that one. We also, going back, also have a summer camp. We have a summer camp that's coming up. Uh, we are looking for paid staff and we're looking for volunteers. It's going to run through Jelevin, Jelevin, Jelevin. I just combined July and 11. Uh, July 11th through August 5th, we will be running a summer camp. There's also a, a paid week of training for those who are looking for a job 16 years and older. We need some camp, camp counselors. We'll need some volunteers to help put that on. It's going to be a great time for kids in our community. Also, we're hiring. We are looking for uh, a facilities and logistics specialist. Uh, it's a full-time position. We just uh, recently left, lost our facilities guy. He's went on to other jobs, and it's a, it's a sad, sad miss for us because we deeply love him. He ran all of our facilities, and that job is going to grow into a bigger job uh, very soon. I'll let you know more about that in a, in a minute here. Next, next, uh, food donations. Hey, this is something that we want you to know. If you look out front of the Canby Center, uh, you'll see these really pretty new stainless steel bins, and it, there's refrigeration there's a cabinet side. And basically what this is, is I tell people, hey, you want, you're going to go to Costco today and you come back with 82 things of butter and you only needed four. Uh, you can swing on by the Canby Center and you can go, hey, I don't need 84 things of butter, so I'll drop off 10, put it in the refrigeration section. You can go, hey, I don't need 42 boxes of cereal. I can give away a few boxes of cereal. Put it in the dry food. You have uh, fresh vegetables. You have things that are not expired, good quality food. You can swing by and drop off at the Canby Center. And seven days a week, seven days a week, morning and night, people are swinging by and saying, hey, I know that the Canby Center consistently has food. I know that I can go there and maybe pick up some grain, some flour, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. Uh, this is an amazing service that we can be do collectively for our own, that we that those that are struggling and and for those of you who just say, "Hey, I need some vegetables." For those of you, anybody in this room, you can swing by and say, "Hey, I'm I'm I need some food." Swing on by. We have fresh fruit, fresh food every single day. It's an amazing blessing that is from Camby to Camby. Um, and a community lunch program, uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday, we serve hot lunch at Canby, and it's really good, made by cooks, handmade meals, not pre-made meals, we have people that come and they serve, uh, if you, if you have, uh, a heart for service and cooking, sign up, come sign up on, at the Canby Center website, come cook a meal, it's a really great time. We have lots and lots of people that come in and eat hot meals uh, every day of the week from Monday through Thursday, and it is a great blessing and really delicious food. Um, 
And that's it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Canby Center. I do want you to know that uh, as a little sneak peek, um, I am, my role at the Canby Center is I am the director of expansion. What does that even mean? Uh, well, if you think about what the Canby Center is and where it is right now, we're right over there by the high school, right behind McDonald's, uh, near uh, Allegro Dance Studio. And what is coming is we have outgrown our space. And we have paid our, that space. Most people don't know that there's quite a bit of land behind the Canby Center. And we have exciting news happening very soon that will be uh, more public and and coming, you'll see it on uh, around town, maybe in the newspaper, but we are expanding our facilities. And that is just, again, a reflection of you. It will be a beautiful new building that we, we're pushed to capacity as it is. We have way too much going on, and we are at capacity every single day uh, that we have events and whatnot going on, and we are going to be expanding. So look for more information coming up. It's really, really exciting. And with that said, um, my sermon, uh, I don't, I, it starts now. And so um, Pastor Jeff said, you know, they are used to good long sermons, so don't do it any more than 90 minutes, starting now. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why you're laughing. So just a quick, quick uh, minute on who I am and why I'm here. Uh, this is a snippet of the Smith family. Uh, I know the, the Smith last name does not match my uh, Mexican heritage, but you'll just have to believe me. Uh, this is the Smith family. Uh, I'm here. My name is Mark Smith. I'm married to my high school sweetheart sitting down here. And can you raise your hand so they know which one? Uh, all of a sudden, there's like an influx of, of the Japanese ethnicity in the Bethany church. And that's my family. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So uh, here we have my uh, beautiful high school sweetheart. We've been dating since we were 14 and 15 years old. So if you have a 14 and 15-year-old and a little Christian boy comes around, watch that little girl. Uh, I just came back from camp, and I was at the Young Life camp as a Young Life leader for 425 middle schoolers. And wow. Uh, just dads, watch your daughters. Uh, we, are, we have three kiddos, Trey, True, and Zadok. They're amazing. Uh, I have great kids. My nephews are here, my father-in-law. Uh, we were missionaries for a long, long time. My wife and I, we uh, spent 12 years in missions, and seven of those years were overseas in Cambodia. Uh, we took my son, uh, my firstborn son, when he was uh, one year old, and then my, my two kids uh, were born overseas. Uh, so when you think about this hot heat, think about no air conditioning. My wife went through third trimester in a third world slum with 100% humidity. So uh, I just told her, babe, someday it'll all be worth it when we're all surrounded by God's glory. And I'm sorry that Eve did this to you. Um, so that's what I'm always thinking about during this hot heat is what my wife persevered through. So we were in Cambodia. We went, uh, we came back and I did my graduate work in Boston a few years ago and I got my uh, master's degree in God. So uh, that's useful in life. And then we worked as an associate pastor and now I have the great privilege 
of working at the Canby Center, and I get to work with many of you. So uh, that's who I am. Uh, thank you for having me. I truly, truly love uh, God's Word. My heart aches to preach and teach uh, to different communities. And this morning, we are going to jump in to Jacob's Blessing. And when we think about the book of Genesis, when we think about uh, what the book of Genesis represents, and we get to uh, chapter 49, this is what you just heard. It's called Jacob's Blessing. And what we have is Jacob is at the end of his life. You have been going through your Genesis story. You've been going through uh, Genesis from the beginning to the end. And now we come to the end. And it's interesting because the book of Genesis means the book of beginnings. And we're at the end of the book of beginnings. And what is so fascinating about this book is when Pastor Jeff reached out and he said, Hey, can you cover one of the slots for, the, for our Genesis series? I said, I would love to. I would love to. I love the book of Genesis, and I love to think about uh, one of the main points of Genesis is how does it set us up for the future Messiah, to know Christ? How does the Old Testament point to Jesus? That is one of the major works of understanding Scripture as a whole. Pastor Jeff said, yes, you have chapter 49. I, you know... Didn't know it off the top of my head. So we're running over there. 49, yeah, I about know. Oh, Jacob's blessings. <laughs> Land allotments. Oh, this is fun. The 12 tribes. You get, you get to go to the north. You get the south. You'll be in the middle of a tribe. Thanks for the best chapter in all of the Bible. But as I dove into this book, the, the work is still the same. What we have here is we have a chapter where, where Jacob is going to assign the future of the land. What's important, before he even has the land, before this land even exists, they will, they will be here in this time of Egypt, and Egypt will turn uh, this, this great time of blessing in Egypt. Egypt, the side that saved them basically from famine, God preserved them through their time of Egypt, will become their slavery. For the next 430 years, they, they'll just be sitting, waiting on this blessing. They, then another 40 years of wandering in the desert. So we're looking at a chapter where Moses, he's writing this. He's writing this backwards. He's, Moses wasn't there when this was told. This has been passed down, oral tradition. Oral tradition has been passed down. Moses will do something similar to this in Deuteronomy 33. That in Joshua, we'll see from about 14 to 19, we'll see that there's this, this uh, land assignment again. It'll be a little bit different. Uh, the, the land assignments will uh, be tweaked a little bit over time. But what we have is we have a man at the end of his life and he's calling together his sons. And these sons will represent the nation. We, we think about the, the book opening in verse 49. It says, Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. What was Jacob's name turn, changed to? Israel, right. Very astute Bible students in here. So this will be a play on words. It'll say, It'll say, 
Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob, who I am. Come and listen to your father. But listen, O Israel. Because this is what we see the first prophecy. This is the first, the book of beginnings. This is where we see the first man that will prophesy about future blessings. Uh, as we go through this book, I want you to think about this. When I was in seminary, we, I had the great opportunity to have literally the guy that wrote the book on Christ-centered preaching. Uh, this was uh, a, a professor of mine, uh, Brian Chapel, and he wrote the book on Christ-centered preaching. How do we look at all of Scripture, and how does it point us to Christ? And one of his, his quotes that he would say over and over again, whatever text you're in, Get to Christ as quickly as possible. Get to Christ as quickly as possible. Understanding these little stories. Understanding what, is, what are these stories in the Bible? How do they point to a grander story? How does this point to the story of salvation? How does this point to the work that's happening for God's plan of redemption? God's plan for salvation. This greater narrative. The work that we have this morning and, and understanding this book, church, understanding what 66 books holds for us, understanding that this book was written over 1,500 years, 66 books to, to call one story, written by nearly 40 authors, three different continents that all came together to be writing one story, that God he, he, he didn't just, just speak the words, but he, he formed it in such a way that it would be working through different men and women on three different continents over a span of time to tell us one story of the Messiah, the one to come. What is significant about the book of beginnings? As we heard this morning, the prayer uh, from the, the elder that came forward and prayed for us that we look at um, what happened this week as a legislation issue. And for Christians, yeah, we, we, might, we might look at this as a, somewhat of a victory, and this is great. The problem isn't legislation, what happened. The problem is that we still have a sin issue. The reason why, the reason why you and I, we say we stand for the voice of the voiceless, the reason why we say we stand for those who can't protect themselves. The reason why we say we stand for those who are in the womb, where they should be the safest, it starts in the book of Genesis. How does the, how does the book of Genesis begin? How were we made? We were made in the image of God. We were made in his image. And so, therefore, the first sin, Cain killing Abel, it says that Cain, that he sinned against the image of God. The reason that that was such a horrific sin and what began to uh, become this, this, this spread of sin was the image of God began to sin against the image of God. That this image bearer, found that they are greater and can make decisions on this image bearer. So our whole theology and how we understand a lot of our laws and our rules and, and why we're convicted as Christians, it starts here in the book of beginnings. I want you just to have this in mind, and this is, uh, 
for those who are builders or uh, fake DIY guys like myself, I want you to uh, think about uh, Genesis, Genesis, the book of Genesis as the four by four. When you think about Genesis today, I want you to go home and go, that preacher man, he told me something about a four by four. Uh, not a lifted truck like many of you drove into in here with today, but a wood four by four, lumber. Uh, it's basically gold right now. Uh, the first, first 12 chapters of Genesis, first 11 chapters, is broken up by four events. Creation, fall, flood, and the Tower of Babel. The four events of, of chapters 1 through 11, creation, fall, flood, and the Tower of Babel. The last four chapters are broken up by four patriarchs. Abraham, you can say it with me, Abraham. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Right. These are four. These are the stories of all the beginnings. And this is going to tell how Israel became a people, where the book of origins happened, why we, we, uh, we care about human life, where sin came from, where languages came from, how this, these nations were built. This, it all comes from the book of Genesis. As we dive in, this morning to chapter 49, we are not going to cover all of 49 because I didn't get my 90 minutes. Uh, maybe next time. Maybe not. Uh, but what we're going to look at, we're going to look through the book, and we're just going to look at a couple verses in, in, in starting off. And I read this earlier, Genesis 49, verses 1 through 2-ish. Then Jacob called his sons. And he said, gather yourselves together what, that I may tell you what shall happen in the days to come. Again, in the days to come, it's, it's, it's a prophetic uh, phrase that we have that he says, I'm going to speak of what will to come when we go into the land. Now this, for, by all accounts, this is the first uh, account of a human person. God has spoke through people. We see that Melchizedek in chapter 14, where uh, we see a Christophany, where it looks like God intervenes with his people. God speaks through angels. But a man is going to prophesy. He's going to come and speak of things that are yet unseen in the days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. My physical children, I have, I have kids that are here, but I'm also going to speak to what will become the greater nation of Israel. Listen to your father. And he's going to jump right on in to Reuben, his firstborn. Well, what do we know about firstborns? We, if, if we know the Bible, we know what is it, and, and culturally, what is firstborns? Firstborns receive an inheritance, this is exciting. This is great news. Hey, assemble. Bring on your brothers and sisters. And biblically, the best part is we know firstborns get a what? Double portion. Right? Yeah, my sons. Yeah. This is awkward because we were missionaries for a long time, and we've been in ministry for a lot of years. So right now I'm getting ready to break this news to my son. There is no portion. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, go ahead. Have double of nothing. So Reuben, Reuben's here. He's probably feeling good about himself. Oh, yeah. All right, it's time to line up. 
Okay, I am here, Father. Reuben. Follow along with me, verse 3. I hope you all have your Bibles. Uh, That's why I specifically didn't put it on the slide. Reuben. And I can just look at my firstborn Trey, and I can do this while he's here. You are my firstborn, my might, my, the, the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power. Pause. Wow. How good do you feel? How good do you feel? Think about your dad growing up. You know, what about when your dad complimented you? I remember when I was a young, young boy, probably, probably four or five. I remember my dad had told me, I went to the restroom, and I went, he goes, hey, bud, you go to the restroom, and then we're going to get in the truck. And I went to the restroom, and I came back, and he went, wow, that was fast. And for the rest of my life, I remember going into the adulthood. I used to try to go to the restroom really fast. <laughs> Because I was complimented, and it just blessed my heart. I just thought, man, that felt great. He never said it again. He never said it again. But I remember those warm affections that my father spoke to me. And right now we have Reuben, my firstborn, strong. And then he follows it with unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. I don't know how detailed, I'm trying to scan the room for children right now, um, but we, we went into, I don't know how detailed you went into the Genesis series, but if you remember uh, back to chapter 35, this is where Reuben decides that he fancies one of his dad's concubines, better known as one of his dad's girlfriends, and Reuben decides, well, she is closer to my age than closer to my dad's age. And he takes it upon himself to go into relationships with one of his father's concubines. And he disgraces the family name. And it's this really sad story that Reuben, he's, he's left here not with a double portion, but even with a lesser portion. He's not given a lesser portion, that, that his past behavior affects his future blessing. That Reuben's past behavior affects his future blessing. And let's carry on with this, this theme of looking into uh, the next set of verses. In verse 5, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Weapons of violence are their sword. Let my soul come not into their counsel. Oh, my glory, Be not joined to their company. For their anger, they killed men. And their willfulness, they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce. And the wrath wrath is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Now, in full disclosure, uh, if you remember the story of what these young men did. If you remember back in, in chapter 34 with Simeon and Levi, that they had gotten word that their sister had been defiled. Dina uh, had been taken by Hamor, and he had taken this woman and taken advantage of her. And 
Simeon and Levi, they decide that they're going to do something about it because they see that their father isn't going to do anything about it. Now, this starts off as a passion to want to protect their sister. And what they end up doing is the old-fashioned warfare trick of, hey, your guys get circumcised, and yes, we'll fix this whole issue, and you can marry our sister. This other tribe decides that they will do that, and then while they're hurting from their recent surgeries that they gave to themselves, uh, they go in and they kill off this tribe. They kill off the men that had just should have been fighting, and in their anger, they, they sin against, and they, and they take want something that was bad, and they go far beyond just revenge. Um, yeah, I, you know, I have a little girl, and when I read through this story and I think about somebody hurting my little girl, it's, it's hard to not sympathize with what these guys did. But I, what I will say is what they did is the reason that we have why we are given the law an eye for an eye wasn't that we just punish and rebuttal, but it's exactly and precisely this. It was so that we didn't overpunish. It's so that you didn't go beyond. A man sins against you that you wouldn't sin overly and beyond the scope of that sin. An eye for an eye wasn't necessarily you get to do whatever they did to you back. It was that you, that you, you had the rights of limitation. You couldn't, you couldn't go above and beyond like these men did. Now, when we sit here and we think about these stories, we think about what these men have done. We think about, well, why did they lose their blessing? It's just want a one-off behavior? And that's what I would petition to us. We are reading this story looking backwards. What Moses is writing and what, what we don't see is most likely it wasn't written in a poem. It wasn't written in, in beautiful flowing images like this. But what we see is a, probably a pattern of behavior. We don't get to see this in every verse. That what, what Jacob is saying to his sons is that there's been a, a pattern of behavior. And not, not mixed with, with repentance. Not mixed with the change of heart. It says there, there will be a scattering. Reuben and Simeon will almost be completely scattered as a tribe. Levi, remember, he will not get land, but he will be a priesthood through multiple major cities in the tribes. Now, we can't go through all of what's being said here this morning. We won't go through all 12 tribes, uh, just to assure you. There are two tribes that get a standout portion, a matter of the most ink is given. For obvious reasons, Joseph... Joseph, a favorite son. Joseph, the story of Joseph. It's why we're all here. Joseph sold off into slavery. Joseph yeah, rises to being this great number two man in Egypt. And when a famine comes, his brothers come back and he, he brings the family together. And then what happens is Joseph is able to save his family in this foreign land. Joseph is a little bit of a weaselly man, and he's doing the old trickaroo, and he's, you know, braggadocious a little bit. Hey, guess what? I got this sweet coat. Did you get anything from Dad? Uh, he's kind of that. But Joseph, 
there's a resemblance to the life of Joseph. When we see the, the Old Testament, we're supposed to go, hey, we've seen that somewhere, such as Joseph extremely loved by his father. Where have we seen somebody like that? Sent to his brothers, sent to his family, but rejected by his own. Where have we seen that? Others, others who he came to love plotted against him. He's taken to Egypt. I've, I've seen somebody else that's sort of like this that also went down to Egypt. Somebody else that was sold for the price of a slave, falsely accused. There was somebody else that started their public ministry at the age of 30. Hmm. Exalted after suffering and somebody who would ultimately save their nation. When we look at Joseph, there's easy reflections to look at foreshadows of Christ. So Joseph, it makes sense that why he would get a lot of ink in Genesis 49. But I want us to quickly look at Judah. We're going to look at Judah. And Judah, up to this point, the only thing that Judah really has done great in his life was he was a bit of an entrepreneur where he sold his brother Joseph into slavery. <laughs> like, I don't know if Judah's like, thank you, Father. Uh, your brother shall praise you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the one that I sold into slavery. Uh, yeah, your hand shall be at the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is the lion's cub. I know. I know, Father, keep it coming. Okay, I will. From my prey, my son, you have gone up. He stood down. He crouched as a lion. I am a lion. I am a lion. Where does this praise come from? I can only imagine Judah sitting there and he's going, well, yeah, I kind of, I kind of got us here to this Egypt place. I'm kind of getting us out of the famine. I did sell my brother and all. I came up with that plan. No. Judah. Judah is just as undeserving. Judah doesn't deserve this treatment of blessing either. I want us to think about a picture. And as we understand this blessing, I want us to think about if we were to see a mountain. Now, Many of us have seen mountains before, and you can see off in the distant future. You can see a mountain. You can go, oh, that's, that's one, maybe two, maybe three mountains. And we can see a distance, at a distance, and we can see what looks like a single mountain. And when we just go beyond the peaks of those mountains and we fly above, we go, no, that's, that's a range of mountains. There are hundreds of of mountains that what look like one or two peaks is multiple peaks. What we have here is Judah. Judah, who is he the line of? Who's who's the line of Judah? Who comes from Judah? We'll get we'll get our first king. Well, you know, Judah uh, Saul's a Benjamite, but that's basically the the area of Judah. But the first king that we'll see that we'll get the great King David, the first mountain peak. We'll get from that royal line of David, uh, we, we'll, get, we'll get Solomon. We'll get the, the kingdoms of the earth. From the line of Judah will come Jesus. If you've 
flip over to your Bibles quickly. Uh, this is why maybe some of you were confused and went, what? A book, a, a verse from Revelation? And I, I'll just quickly read for us. From the line of Judah in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verse 6, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out over all the earth. And he went up and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And, he, and when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down face, face before the lamb, each holding the harp, golden bowls full of incense. Which of their prayers of the, are the saints? They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open the seal. For he, for you were slain. By your blood, you ransomed us, the people of God. From every tribe, every language, every people of every nation, you have made them a kingdom of priests. Our God, he shall reign forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. There is only one from the line of Judah who can open the scroll in the end days. Not only do we see Christ, but we see from the line of Judah, there's next mountain peak in the next life. In the book of Revelation, on all things ending, we see that there is one who can open from the line of Judah, and it's Christ. When we look at these blessings, church, it is hard to look and go, what's so interesting about land. In closing, I'll give you this. What makes the land so great is it remembers a covenant that was made way back in Genesis 12. Remember that guy named Abraham. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3, where we see the proto-evangelium, which is the proto-gospel, where it says, I will fix this sin problem. I will send a Savior. And up from the line of Judah, there will be one, only one who can open the scroll. Only one in the last days where all nations will gather and worship Jesus. There is one who was slain for the sins of the whole world. And it's, it's Christ. When we look through and we read, we're reminded that none of us deserve an inheritance, that none of us deserve the blessing of walking with the Lord. And, and we, we see at a human level here, we see that there is our past behaviors in life affect future blessings. There's things that I did in my life before knowing the Lord that affect my future blessing. There's things that are from my past, there's things that I struggle with that still come up and that that, that has a physical ramification, this side of eternity. And yet, and yet, all of us will still receive a great blessing that's undeserved. And yet, all of us still re will receive a great salvation. And yet, all of us will someday stand gathered in Revelation chapter 5. As many as the nations gather and we will be there and we'll sing holy, 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 worthy is the one who is worthy to open the, the, the scroll. Worthy, there is one 
that holds the keys to death and Hades. There is one that is to be worshipped for eternity. There is one that holds your soul and my soul forever. There is one who has taken away the stain of sin. There is one who everyone is centered around and is Christ. The book of Genesis points us to a great Savior. The book of Genesis points us to not only a land for one specific group, but a land that is meant to be used for the, to reach the nations. The reason why we go into every nation, the reason why the gospel goes forward, is because we believe that every nation, every tribe, every tongue will someday sit at the foot of the throne singing, worthy, worthy, worthy is the one who is, who is slain. Holy, holy, holy is the one who was to come, who is to come, who will come. The first, the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Today, as we read through Genesis 49, let us be reminded of Christ. Let us be reminded that those mountain peaks that we see in the near future, that there's a grander mountain peak behind it. Someday we will all be there at the foot of Christ. Would you please pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for an amazing church, Bethany Church. Lord, I pray, reminded in Galatians chapter 6, I pray that Bethany Church would not grow weary of doing good, that they have a reputation of doing good and doing what's right. And I thank you for their participation in the gospel locally in their neighborhoods, overseas. Lord, I thank you for the great opportunity that in the book of Genesis that we're brought into this story, that this isn't just the nation of Israel's story, but this is our story. This is actually the beginning of how the gospel reached us. That something as simple as land assignments. This is how the nations were affected by the gospel. This is where... Uh, a great King David would rule and reign, and yet that would only be a foreshadowing to a greater king that rules and reigns today. God, and I thank you that someday, just like in Revelation chapter 5, as the nations, we will be gathered around singing, worthy is he who was slain. God, I thank you for this amazing church. What a great opportunity to be with them this morning. Lord, anything that would minister to their heart, I pray that you would do that now. God, I thank you for this opportunity, and we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And Bethany, I will leave you with a blessing from the great book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace today. In Jesus' name. Amen.